appreciate you doing this. Um, just real quick, if you don't mind introducing yourself for the listeners and um, for those that may not know who you are and what you do. Okay. I'm Fred Joyle. I'm an entrepreneur, a speaker, an author, uh, executive coach. I started a company back in the 80s called 1-800-DENTIST, which became the largest dentist referral service in the country. Uh, and I was CEO for 25 years. We eventually sold it as Google disintermediated us when phone numbers became less and less relevant and television advertising became less and less effective, uh, almost precipitously. Uh, but it was a it was a great business. Uh, somebody asked me, they said, well, you know, my personal coach said, how much revenue did you generate? He says, if you added up all the revenue while you were running the place, and I figured out it's like a billion one in revenue. Uh, and he said, do you realize how few people have done that? And I, I, I had never really thought about it that way because we we maxed out at just under 50 million a year. But, you know, we had 250 employees and we had a, a terrific run. So now I coach business executives and businesses on their marketing strategy or just individual CEOs uh, telling them how not to hit the same potholes that I hit basically and and helping them reflect on their business because a lot of CEOs don't really have anybody to talk to except their board which is not helpful uh, but where I really have evolved to at this point is I took my to me the my most powerful life experience which was transforming myself from being a really shy person and very underconfident to a really bold person. And it took me a long time to do it, but I put it into a book and I created a systematic way where anyone can learn to do this much more quickly and elevate their, their boldness and their confidence in an accelerated way. Because I think boldness is a superpower. I think the impact it can have on every aspect of your life is profound. And it can be learned. It is not something just people are born with or not. So my latest book uh, is called Super Bold, From Underconfident to Charismatic in 90 Days, which, of course, is a bold promise. It would have to be. So uh, now that's where a lot of my time and energy goes is keynotes. And I just did a, my first workshop, two day workshop and, uh, you know, and, and doing podcasts and promoting the book. Awesome. Uh, what inspired you to kind of make that transition as opposed to starting another company or continuing to kind of grind that wheel? What made you want to transition into providing value for other people? I think that even though my business was really fun and, and successful and challenging, obviously there were times that were, it was horrible. Um, I didn't want to just run a business. I wanted to have real impact on people. Uh, and I really thought about, well, what is that? What, what could I bring uniquely to people that was my personal struggle that I overcame? Uh, and, and how could I use my speaking experience and my business experience to, to offer this to people? Uh, so it became, uh, you know, if, you've, if you're lucky enough to make a bunch of money, you eventually realize how little it matters. But you have to blow it first to, to figure out how little happiness it adds to your life. You know, when you suddenly realize, I don't need a 10,000 square foot house. 
I don't need four cars. I don't need four cars that all cost over $100,000. I don't need a lot of this stuff that I have bought and don't even use. Uh, but what mattered is my interaction with people, my ability to make a contribution into somebody's life, to, to create an epiphany. And I was able to do it in my business by coaching business people and, and just having them and dentists in particular, just having them have, have moments of like, oh, I get it. I finally understand my business and how to market my business and how to see it in a totally different light. And I developed an, this appetite for that level of transformation. And, and then I just wanted to expand beyond the industry that I'd worked in for 25 years and just reach out to everybody. So that was that. It, I, I'm at an age where contribution and impact matters more than income. As I was reading your book for, for this episode, um, I did notice that you started the introduction with the, those exact words or that sentence rather that boldness is a superpower. And, um, you know, after reading a few chapters, I could relate to a lot of stuff. Um, a lot of instances of feeling kind of shy and timid and, you know, letting opportunity pass by, and then in retrospect, recognizing that that was a good opportunity that I let go or the person that I could have built something beautiful with, I didn't approach and I was hesitant to approach X, Y, and Z. It's essentially a recap of regrets that kind of lead you to a point of, wow, I want to make a change in my life. Um, I might be jumping ahead a little bit here, but if you want to talk about what inspired you to write this book and then how kind of you, how you kind of made that transition in your personal life when you decided that it was enough and I had to kind of do something about it. Well, just like you're saying is, is you start stacking up these regrets and you reflect on the missed opportunities and you finally say, this, this has to stop. I, I have to figure out how this changes and how other people are doing it because uh, it's not working for me. Uh, and it was relationships, it was business opportunities, it was fun, it was all of these things rolled into one. And then also, I was impaired with social skills because of that. And I had to develop them much later in life than I, than I should have, uh, you know, in my, I should have been doing most of it in my teens and my 20s. But there were, you know, there was always something that happened, missed opportunities. There was, there was a job where uh, I was working and I, I would just, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was, I spent eight years finishing college and I was just knocking around working for various companies to get money to not work and go travel again. And I was working in a machine shop and the owner at one point grabbed me and he said, you seem really intelligent. He says, I, I think you could be one of our salespeople, um, he equated that somehow, which I would disagree. Uh, but he said, come on up to the office. And he sat me down and he gave me a phone and he, and he gave me uh, a list of businesses in the company, in, in, in the state. And he said, call these people and see if, if they would want to do business with us, if, if they have any need for our machine shop uh, services. I couldn't dial the phone. I couldn't dial it a single time. I just, I was like, I had that much call reluctance. I, I, I could look at the list and I finally just said, you know, sorry, I can't do this. And back to the machine shop. Uh, and, but it, 
stuck with me. I was like, wow, I'm, I am impaired somehow. And, and also knew that there were times when I did speak up or I did step up and something really good invariably happened, but I couldn't summon it a lot. I couldn't actually figure out how to do that in a consistent way. And then the big transition for me was getting into the advertising world uh, because I finally found a job I really thought I could do. And, and I loved it. And I was so enthusiastic and I was so overconfident about my creativity that I pitched myself and my material, you know, my, my work really well. If I had a campaign, I, they would bring me into the client. And I'm the junior copywriter, but I pitched it with such enthusiasm because I thought it was so brilliant that the client would buy. And, and they started bringing me into to meetings to do that. And, it, and, I, and I was feeling this feedback loop of, of just bringing my full self. It wasn't, I didn't create a different person. I was just releasing my whole self into the situation with passion and enthusiasm and humor and all of these things. And I said, okay, this is who I want to become. And I and I and it took me years to make it other parts of my life with women, with you know, with other kinds of opportunities. Um, but as a, as it started to happen, I, I realized the change that could happen. I could and I and I knew I could get bolder and bolder and bolder. But all of those times that I hesitated, I had regrets and they gnawed at me and all of the times that I was bold, even if it didn't work out, I eventually figured out that I felt better trying and failing than I felt about not trying because I didn't beat myself up about trying and failing. It's like, yeah, I went up and talked to her and I ran out of things to say, or, you know, I asked her if she was had a boyfriend too early in the conversation or whatever, whatever I did. And I would just say, I can get better at this, but I'm okay having tried. And of course, then you, you stack up successes as well as failures because you do get better. But boldness is, is a muscle that you build by working at it every day, getting stronger and stronger in it. And it develops your skill. The, the great revelation for me was that I didn't have to be confident to be bold. I could be scared. I could be underconfident. I could be nervous. I could be anxious. But as long as I acted, something happened. And eventually I looked confident even when I wasn't because I was stepping up. And what happened is the bold action made me more confident. Because a lot of people say, well, I'm not confident enough to be bold. And I say, it's the other way around. It, your boldness will make you confident. And I really just figured it out. I actually really didn't conclude this until after I finished the book, that this is actually what's happening. But once you realize it, you say, oh, I can, I can jump into the breach here and uh, pretty much not know what the hell I'm doing or how it's going to go. But as long as I step up, don't give my way out, walk right up to the person. I got to say something, uh, you know, start a business, you know, uh, take family money to start the business. Then you really got to succeed. Uh, 
Mm -hmm. um, and 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 the my comfort zone just got bigger and bigger and bigger. But I also knew that I always had to be in my discomfort zone to be chasing my dreams. I always had to be uncomfortable when if I was really after something. I can't. I couldn't just always find the way to stay comfortable because my my ability to take risks and take psychological risks and emotional risks it just kept expanding and still does i'm I, i'm working on my boldness now and i will for the rest of my life but i i'm a thousand percent better than i was as a teenager and a college student absolutely i think it's fascinating that we all start out in existence having a higher level of boldness than we do in our teens and you know as we're young adults i think we lose a lot of our boldness and our ability to kind of dive into situations and um, let fascination sort of control where we head and what direction we go into. Um, and we lose that, you know, obviously through various different circumstances, but primarily through people that are a little bit older telling you that, hey, you shouldn't do that, or you just live your life a certain way, do certain things. Yeah, and it's it gets programmed out of you. Most of the time, as a you know, it's the old example people use is like if you take a group of first graders and you say, Who can dance? Everybody can dance. Who can sing? Everybody can sing. By the time they're in the eighth grade, it's down to 10%. By the time they're out of college or high school, it's even lower. And, it, and so something happens, and high school is rough. It's there's so much insecurity that that is the driving emotion in high school that everybody's reaction is to make you feel worse about yourself than they feel about themselves. Uh, and, and, and we have a reaction to psychological danger that is the same as physical danger. The challenge is if something, if we get injured or traumatized physically, the body eventually heals. It has a process for getting better. If you're psychologically traumatized or hurt, if you don't have a process for fixing it, it doesn't heal. And so all you have are these voices in your head. It's like, don't stand out. You're going to be embarrassed. People are going to laugh at you. It's going to be humiliating. You're not cool enough. You're not smart enough. You're not interesting enough. You're not funny enough. Uh, you don't belong here. You're not worthy. It's like an amazing amount of bullshit. That is, right. that is running in your head. And that's why one of the things I say is don't believe everything that you think because you need to stop and say, could that really be true? Is that really true? Why am I the one stopping me? Because that's what bold people don't do. They don't stop themselves. They may hear the voice, but they don't stop themselves. Absolutely. They, 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 they go in, they, they leap in and see what happens. And I, just, just another twist on that. It was a great thing that happened to me. I, I got in my elevator in my building and this mother was there with her daughter and they had their bikes and the daughter was maybe three years old and she had this cute little unicorn helmet on. And so I said, oh, I love your helmet. And she says, yes, it matches my bike. And I said, do you want to push my elevator button? Because they love to push the buttons. Kids love to push mm -hmm. the floors. And she said, yeah. I said, it's number four. And she goes, oh, 
you're only one floor away from us. We can come up and play. And I thought, so interesting that that, and it was so cute and sweet and guileless, you know, that uh, it, it, it was just heartwarming. And I thought about it so much after I went, wow, I hope that doesn't get pro- programmed out of her. But why was it so appealing? Because if I get in an elevator and a, an attractive woman got in the elevator and she pushed her floor and it was one above mine, I said, hey, but, you know, we're only fl- one floor apart. I could, we could come up, I could come up and visit. That would be semi-creepy. Um, right. And it's because when she did it, the little girl did it, she had no agenda. She was just being open. If I were doing that, I would have a perceived agenda. I would have a perceived ulterior motive. And then the misery, sorry to cut you off, but I I feel like the misery that that rejection would generate would then take away, take away from your self-esteem and self-confidence. And I did want to point out all these things that are programmed out of us Uh, it's such a fascinating concept. These are essentially free gifts that we are born with and society and, and, and media and everything kind of convinces us that we're not worthy and we need to purchase our self-esteem. I think we need to buy our self-esteem back through, you know, a a car or a bag or a vacation that you post about and X, Y, and Z item or materialistic thing or anything to indicate or signal that you are higher on the hierarchy than another human being so that you can feel better about yourself. And, you know, I I view Instagram as an extension of high school. I think a lot of people that play (laughs) that Instagram game never really mentally got out. Yes, this is how amazingly fascinating my life is compared to yours. Um, Absolutely. And and as you say, it's that I'll never forget, I was at a convention and uh, my girlfriend was was off meeting people. And she said, I just met this guy. And he, he was oblivious to, to anything except how much he had to impress me. She said, within three minutes in the conversation, he had his phone out and he was showing me pictures of his house and how big it was and how elaborate it was. And I, I went, wow, imagine how desperate you'd have to be to 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 start showing pictures of your assets you know (laughs) to 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 try to impress people to to feel that you are not impressive enough without your stuff and i I just remember being so struck i I feel so bad for him because of course he got because my girlfriend could care less about that and and of course those kind of guys just are she he's repellent to almost everybody um because he's he thinks he needs to be impressive what he really needs to be is interested in other people instead of trying to say I, i you know and that's we we all do that when we meet people or or we see somebody we really want to meet we say oh, I'm not interesting enough. I'm not clever enough. How do I be interesting and witty and clever? Uh, And you don't have to be any of those things. You just have to be nice. You just have to be friendly. You just have to be courteous. You have to be interested in them. And once you, as soon as you start doing that, you say, oh, okay, they're opening up. And all I have to do is keep 
being interested, being curious about them. If you can get out of your shell enough to be curious about other people, they open right up. And also like, there's no agenda to it. Yeah. And also like suppressing the desire to feel important, I think is key as well. I think in every interaction, you know, the desire is obviously natural. You, you want to feel like you're accepted. I think it, translates to primitive times where we want to be accepted in the tribe and we meet somebody else and we don't want to feel like an outcast. And I think that desire gets in the way of truly forming a connection because then it just becomes a sort of match between two people of, well, I'm going to say this, sneak this in there. I'm going to, you know, even, even, even being humble, you can kind of subtly indicate or signal certain aspects of your life that you want the other person to know about. And that could take away from the authentic sort of connection that you can form. Um, But yeah, I just find that fascinating, like suppressing the desire to be important and truly diving into what the other person is all about, who the other person is, I think can really like help you penetrate through that wall that we all have or the masks that we all kind of wear in in some way. And I'm I'm using a lot of generalizations here, but I I just want to kind of contextualize it. I, I, I don't mean everybody's like this, but a lot of people do share these characteristics and traits yeah and and that also there are situations a lot of times when it's more important that's when they lack confidence everybody has their zones of confidence i just did a two-day workshop with with uh with people to teach them the super boldness in a more accelerated way and everybody was different that some people we worked in a i rented out a comedy club and the stage was a very impactful part of the experience. And some people would say, I'm, I'm totally comfortable up here on stage. It's one-to-one. I don't have anything. <laughs> I'm totally paralyzed. And, it would, and then other people would be the opposite. Uh, and, but we, we have these, these reactions because we, we have so much of this, I need to fit in urge. And I don't, I don't want to stand out. I don't want to be judged. Uh, and bold people don't worry about other people's judgments. They, they have released themselves from that trap of caring what everybody thinks. Because mostly they're not thinking about you. They may think about you for a few seconds. They're probably wrong. And then they move on. They go back to thinking about themselves, their own comfort zone is, you know, thinking about how everybody else is thinking about them you kind of lay out a practical sort of method for people to get out of this, to get out of the rut of feeling like they are just incapable of going beyond, you know, their comfort zone. If we want to kind of do a brief overview of that method and um, what kind of led you to create that? I, I really thought about how, how did I effectively go into my discomfort zone and change what I was doing to, to build my boldness muscle. Cause I could feel it happening, but it was haphazard for a while. And then I just started looking back and I, and I also looked at bold people and how they behave and how they, their mindset and, and the way they move through the world. And, and I thought there's a systematic way. And also I studied improv comedy, which teaches you a, a, a whole lot about that. And, and I'm trained as a public speaker. So all of these things sort of turned into uh, 
an understanding of a, of a methodology that would work. And it's a, I call it the pride method. And it's an acronym for preparation. The P is preparation, R relaxing, I insights, D dosage, and E everyday action. And so the first step is if let's say you're, you, you decided you're going to meet a stranger every day and talk to them. You have to prepare what you're going to say. So you're behind them in Starbucks. What are you going to say? You're going to, you're going to look at them and say, well, what could I comment on? What could I offer them a compliment? That's the best way in is just compliment something about them. That's, that's a great beer. Those glasses look great on you. That handbag looks terrific. I don't know where you get those shoes, but they, they're, they look so great. Whatever it is, prepare something. It doesn't have to be witty. It doesn't have to be clever. As a sidebar, when, pe when you put that much emphasis on, I need to be really impressive and really clever and witty, it puts too much pressure on the conversation to the other person to, to come up to that level. That's why I say all you have to be is nice. So do like a drive-by compliment. Like, you know, that outfit just looks great on you. You know, it's like, wow, that color is amazing. I don't think I could pull that off, but it's really working for you. You start doing this and you develop this repertoire that is your preparation. And the magic of it is, and I talk a, a ton about this in much more depth in the book, but the magic of preparation is it's the foundation for spontaneity. Because now you got what you could say, and in the moment, something else occurs to you because you've prepared something. Now, the second step is important is relaxing. You have to know how to relax yourself. And somebody saying, why don't you just relax? Does not work. It never worked with me. My mom used to say it to me all the time. I went like, oh my gosh, I look nervous. That's even worse. Now I'm twice as nervous. But it's simply a matter of insights, which is the next one. Preparation helps to relax you. The thing about the pride method is it's a matrix. All of these things reinforce each other. So preparation helps to relax you. But physically, you can relax yourself just by breathing, just by taking three deep breaths. You will get more relaxed. Shake out your physiology. It, look at your physiology. What do you, how are you, are you like tensing up? What are you doing with your body? Are your shoulders up around your neck? Uh, it, it, we do this stuff unconsciously. I loved watching people do that in my workshop as they would climb on stage. They would immediately go into some defensive mode. They, one, one girl would go up. As soon as she got on stage, she would cross her legs. And like, what could be more defensive than that? Um, and, and so, and I would just say, what are you doing right now? And she would go, oh, I know it. And I hadn't even pointed it out. She knew that that was her reflex action. But just shake that out and then take breaths. And you can even vibrate the vagus nerve, the dual nerves that run down the center of your body. Just by vibrating them with your voice, it will physically relax you. And as soon as you take control of your state, you say to yourself, oh, I can actually relax myself which makes is more relaxing, just like realizing you're anxious makes you more anxious. You go, Oh, my God, my pits are soaked. Now your brow is wet. Now in the middle of your back is wet. Now your tongue is tied. It's like it 
it spirals up in the wrong direction. Right. Relaxing just makes it so that your cognitive skills and your memory come back and your tongue unties itself. And then the, the, the next step of the pride method, you know, your preparation, relaxing insights, key insights. People are not thinking about you anywhere near as much as you think they are. They're thinking about themselves. Let go of judgments of uh, other people because they're probably wrong and they're doing what you do which they're making a full judgment of somebody by a tiny shred of information. So if they're wrong, why worry about what they think about you? There's a small group of people whose opinions should actually matter to you and you need to let go of the rest of them because they're inaccurate and they're not important. The other big thing that bold people know is that 99% of the time, nothing bad happens unless you decide to label that way, label it that way. And that my favorite example is uh, a friend of mine. She was on stage. She was speaking. She had 500 people in the audience and she's about 10 minutes into her lecture and she breaks a high heel. Now the, you hear the audience gasping, like the women gasping, because that's horrifying. The idea of that happening to a woman it doesn't have to be on stage and she could have walked off the stage and it just said excuse me i'll be right back or something like that she could have taken on the embarrassment but instead she kicks off her shoes and says i guess i need to start spending more than 30 dollars on shoes and the whole place busts out laughing because when there's tension and you release it that creates laughter right that's so the fact that she was not embarrassed and actually chose to have just a calm funny reaction to it she owned that audience at that point because they admired her just for being on stage now they admire her for complete aplomb in, in, a, in an embarrassing situation because she would have been totally justified saying, hang on a second, I just broke my shoe, I'll be right back. She did the rest of the lecture barefoot. And it, so it's, it's that insight that you can, nothing bad has happened if you decide to not label it that way. And it's, I'm talking about social situations. Bad things happen all the time in life. You right. get in a car accident, you know, somebody dies. But I'm saying that the bad things that you're imagining are gonna happen, don't have to happen and if they if something happens that somebody else would say is humiliating you don't have to label it that way you can say ah oh, this is just uh, just even if like i said if i try and fail i walk up to somebody i want to meet them I, I see this really successful business person and i just start talking to him and i can tell that he's not interested in talking at all i don't have to take that on i i have to understand he could be in a really different space right now you know, his wife could be divorcing him for all I know, right. uh, or his kid could be in the hospital. He's not interested in interacting with me. I don't have to take that on, but I, and I, which means I don't have to label it as a failure. The attempt was a success because I made the attempt. I wasn't concerned so much about the outcome. I was concerned. I, I was interested in making the attempt. And that was the bold move. And then the rest of it, whatever happened, happened. And I absorb and learn from whatever happened.